Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter oh, yeah. the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. Yeah. I'm jet propelled at all times. <laughs> How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example, and this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think you know, it's bullshit. The, <laughs> I think it's bullshit, too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. no. Look at a teabag fight. Yeah. <laughs> you heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high five, Beavis? <laughs> now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers. Craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Session. We're back here on a Monday night, and we have a good show for you. We have Brendan from Liquid Gravity Brewing, and Brendan has been on the show a couple of times now, and uh, I'm pretty excited to have him back on in this capacity of, uh, of giving us beer, basically, which is what I, <laughs> just what I really appreciate. Brendan, what's up, man? How's it going, JP? Not much. Not, not much. Not I'm much. from Texas right now, buddy. Let me Love. tell you. Not much. Yeah, I'm just hanging, man. I'm just chilling. It's one of those uh, one of those things, man, where it's just the default is always like, oh, how's it going? That's what you say to everybody. Yeah, of course. And, and, then, then, and then they respond, and then you respond with the wrong thing, and then you don't know what to do. It's like, it's like the handshake fist bump. It's like, where, where do you go? Where do you go? Yeah, 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 for sure. The, the, the hug butt slap. I don't know what to do. But then it's oh, I also... Always, I always... I always go butt slap, so that's easy. Yeah, it's always like, uh, but then the response is just usually like, it's going, but in your heart, you sort of know that everybody's just as miserable as you are, and you're like, yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. It's like, let's know. just not do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but thanks for joining us, man, and thanks for uh, for sending in some beer. I appreciate you sending in a ton of beer, and that's good. Um, I have no one to share it with, so I'm going to drink it all myself, and I will uh, use the IPAs as snail bait. And that's, uh, I don't know, man, whatever. Uh, I don't normally start with a beer, but I'm going to start with a beer um, just to sort of loosen everything up because, uh, you know, I want to. I'm thirsty. I want to drink a beer. And, um, you know, there's no way, there's no reason to torture myself in waiting. This is, I'm an adult. This is my show now. I can do whatever I want. But yeah, there was a lot of sexual tension before we went live. So we got to, you know, take the edge off here a little bit. That's true. Yeah. we And that's, and that look, that's one way to do it. Is to just drink 
And that way no one ever feels sexy. Uh, I'm opening the Crispy Life Pilsner, my guy. Thank you very much for making a Pilsner. I appreciate that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this beer, and then we'll get into the the usual casual, you know, background stuff, where you're from and your approach to Pilsners and stuff like that. But uh, what's this Pilsner all about? Yeah, so it's a pretty traditional German-style Pilsner. Um, you know, it is like almost all Weirman, just their basic Pilsner malt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do put a little bit of Carafoam in there. Um, really, the goal with this beer is to try to dry it out as far as we can. Um, you know, really low mash temp, um, you know, everything we can do to really get this thing lean and crisp. Um, you know, we do have uh, an internal calandria as far as one as our boiling mechanism on our kettle. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it's a pretty it's a pretty good size calandria. And I think we do get a little you know more caramelization in that than, um, you know, standard jackets or or even a smaller calandria. And so it's really important to me to like really try to dry these out because you know, the beers naturally, you know, all other things equal will have kind of a rich character to them, which is, you know, I think it's nice. It's just, you kind of have to build the rest of the rest of the beer around it. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a, uh, you know, a little Magnum to bitter. I have my notes, so I'm looking down here. Uh, but it's- <laughs> <laughs> don't tell us. We don't know, man. <laughs> I just, I know everything inherently. Yeah. I'm just really smart. Yeah, but uh, no, it's a little magnum to bitter. Uh, we do some tetanang at 10 minute and uh, tet and saphir in the whirlpool. And okay. yeah, that's about it. It's a really, you know, clean fermentation with, uh, we use the Augustiner yeast mm-hmm. from BSI. Really? And, yeah, and then, uh, you know, the, the difficulty with these beers to me is to is to get them clear. They're, they're, that lager yeast can be really stubborn sometimes. Um, and so we, we just use BioFine Clear on it and... Uh, if I, you know, told you the rate that we used it at, you'd probably think that was crazy. Uh, <laughs> well, that the assumption there is I know the starting point. Right. Yeah, fair I enough. I know what too much is. You could tell me yeah. a, a million hectocubes, and I'd be like. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. That actually. sounds pretty good. He- yeah. A million hectocubes. That's what that's I would have done. Yeah. It's just gone <laughs> yeah. the hectocube, bro. But it worked out, you know. It's, yeah. Dude, that thing's clear. Yeah, look uh, at that. There it is. And I cut my fingernails the other day, so this isn't as disgusting <laughs> as it usually is. Uh, it's great, man. It's great. It's um, it's super dry. Um, you know, there is a you know, you gotta have a little sweetness there too. But it is it is mostly very dry. That bitterness comes through, but it's not too aggressive. Um, and you do have some some more deeper mouthfeel to it. You do have a little more, uh, you know, flavor. It doesn't taste just like, oh, here's a light pilsner. You know what I mean? Like all one grain, right? Yeah, and I think our, our kettle like really, our kettle really contributes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that little light caramelization is really, really, yeah. I, in my opinion, it's a really nice addition. Um, again, you just have to kind of be um, aware of it when you're building recipes. And what did you say the recipe was? The the malt bill? Uh, we're at let's see, ninety four percent or ninety three and a half percent pills and five point two percent carafoam, and then we put a little mm. acid malt in there. Uh, 1.3% for pH uh, adjustment, Uh, and then calcium chloride. Uh, I guess my dirty little secret, if I had to have one on this, would be that we do throw a little bit of amylase enzyme in the mash. To dry it out a little more? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we just keep it in during the mash and then, you know, go through louder, and it's denatured in the boil, so it doesn't take it, you know, anywhere near like like a dry uh, or like like a brute wood. Um, if you were to add it in the in the fermenter, I mean, Good. I think this beer, this beer gets down to probably one. I think one point four or so. Okay, okay, but yeah, nice and dry, but not you know. 
So you're cheating. Crazy. Yeah, no, you're cheating. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Absolutely. I mean, 100%. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't you? If you played baseball in the late 90s, man, you know you'd be hitting home runs too. I could, yeah, right. Exactly. Just goose the steroids into my yeah. veins directly. Um, first of all, are you... Give me your thoughts on on the disappearance of the brute IPA fa- uh, fad. Is that are you are you happy about it? Or are you disappointed at it? Um, I, I I don't know that I feel strongly one way or the other. I think, uh, um, you know, I I think it was a really it was to me it was like the answer to hazy right as hazies were kind of really going off the deep end and they were getting sweeter and fuller and you know no bitterness at all it was this kind of like well let's snap things back a little bit and so i think it was an attempt to kind of um you know answer the the strike across the brow of um of hazy ipa yeah and i think there were some really cool things about it um you know, I mean, you're talking about, I, I think it was mismarketed. I think if they had kind of built it as a, like a low calorie IPA, I mean, you're talking about potentially a 7% beer that's got a ton of hop flavor and a ton of hop aroma. That's like, I don't know, 150 calories, right? Or 125 mm-hmm. calories. And so I think if they had marketed that way, um, you know, people would have approached it differently. But, you know, in my yeah. mind, when it was, when, when I, when I kind of first had my, um, first attempt at it, it was like, it was not as good as a regular West coast IPA. If I'm just oh. evaluating it on its own merits, you right. know, agreed. Yeah. hundred uh, so percent. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think, uh, I think it was, it was cool to see, um, you know, to see that kind of evolution happen, but I don't, I don't really miss them. I wouldn't say. Um, <laughs> I I never I never got the appeal of them. I for me that was one of those things where it it was an experiment. It was a one hundred percent a brewers only experiment. Like I tried this out and we could do it, and here other people can do it too. But the general public didn't understand why. You know, it was just. Right. It was like, I don't know, man, putting a spoiler on the Honda Civic. Like, it just doesn't do anything, <laughs> right? Just because you can. But you can, and it looks a certain way. Yeah, and like, there you go, right? But it's like, you know, you don't even speed on the freeway. So you're not taking corners in your right. neighborhood where you need a spoiler. And even then, it needs to be rear drive. Anyway, and uh, yeah, so I, I think that's why it was sort of like a, a solution looking for a problem. But not even that. It was just more of like, oh, we could do this. That was cool. That was a fun moment in time but uh you know i think you're right if they if they if they like there's a marketing board for <laughs> there is, there for, is. For it. um i think if you market it as like a low calorie ipa that might not be a bad way to go yeah it's it's funny uh you bring it up because um we actually when we launched our our brewery one of the first five beers that we made um used the enzyme uh and we put it in the fermenter and we took it all the way to zero um, but we didn't do it on an IPA. Um, we were looking at, you know, what kind of beer style really might benefit from from that, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you, where you're not just mm-hmm. taking the enzyme and drying it all the way out and, you know, um, just making making a, a what's, in my, in my mind, the best style of beer, which is like a West Coast IPA. The perfect West Coast IPA to me is like doesn't need an adjustment. And so you were adjusting a beer that, you know, to me, I think was already – that didn't need help. I and, see. Right. Right. 
Um, and not, and believe me, not that a German Pilsner needs help, but, um, I always like, it's why we put our little bit of enzyme in the mash. To me, a German Pilsner could always go a little bit drier. Like I could always take it a little bit crisper and you certainly lose some of that, you know, that nice kind of malt back up on it. Um, but we did make a German Pilsner, which was, I don't really know what to call it other than like a brute Pilsner. Uh, but we did put Mm. the enzyme in the fermenter and took it all the way to zero, um, you know, to make this like 5% German Pilsner that, um, you know, we, we were kind of, it was the answer to seltzer. It was like, if people came in and they were looking for something, you know, really low calorie or, you know, somebody that just drinks seltzer and doesn't really like beer. It was something that I still would think was cool that had this, you know, kind of severe hop character to it and clean German lager fermentation. Um, and you still get a fair amount of the malt flavor in it. You know, it does, it sure, it definitely leaves it a little hollow on the, on that side, but, mm-hmm. um, that was actually like one of the first beers that we made. Um, we haven't made it again <laughs> for what it's worth. Uh, but Amen. that was yeah. fair enough. But yeah. yeah, I you know I that's a good point. I I like that sort of description of you're improving on a thing that I don't think you need to improve on the West Coast IPA. It's like it's like sewing the legs back onto your jorts. It's like you don't you have the perfect thing. You don't need yeah. to make it any better. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And they have the the zip-off shorts, you know, if you really want to go that route. Yeah, if you're – but you have to be uh, divorced, over 50, (laughs) and have a Weber grill. Like, those are the three – that comes with your Weber grill if you're divorced. <laughs> it really 50. does. See, we should be. We should open a marketing uh, a marketing uh, company. And just target these companies. Like, we get, look, we got packages. Okay, Weber. Let's go. We got jorts or whatever they are. Um, I wonder how. I wonder if like a, a brute hazy IPA. Yeah, and <sighs> I, I think uh, I'm pretty sure that's kind of what Firestone did with their Flyjack. Um, mm-hmm. And I've heard. heard yeah i don't know again it's like weird the whole yeah the whole the whole thing about a hazy ipa the the positive qualities about it right are that the texture is sort of silky and and viscous and it has this kind of rich character to it and then you're gonna shallow it out with an enzyme you know i don't know you're kind of pulling in two opposite directions there (laughs) for sure you're drawing and quartering the beer industry and that's perfect uh i like this beer man so let's talk about the the internal calandria for a second that's the the thing I've always heard it was like a China hat. That was the first thing I was, is that what it was where it's like us, like a, a diffuser, I guess at the 45 degree angle or whatever the angle is where the wort in the bottom in the kettle comes up through and just like sprayed out in the kettle. Uh, in theory. Yeah. Okay. If, if, if they work <laughs> okay. correctly, that's what happens. Oh, yours doesn't um, work correctly. Our, no, it doesn't quite do that. Damn, um, man. There's a yeah, pill so you could take and that'll, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's actually, it's a, it's a big drum uh, and it's piped with steam and there's uh, you know, there's all these tubes that go uh, through the drum that go all the way through. Okay. And in, in theory, if you have, you know, the steam uh, to, to, you know, enough steam to supply it, uh, it draws wort under the, the calandria in through up through the perk tubes and then spreads it out on the hat and you get this really nice mechanical action on your boil. Okay. Um, so when we came and looked at this place and I'm kind of, you know, going through the equipment and I look in the boil kettle and, and it's sort of just simmering and it's, it's definitely rolling, right? Like, I mean, you're getting good, you know, good convection and it's turning, uh, but it's not going anywhere near the hat. And so, <laughs> good. You know, yeah. So I, you know, I, and, and then after tasting the beers, I'm kind of just going, okay, I think what's happening is 
that it's spending a lot of time in those tubes as the work comes up. It's not really like shooting up, like rocket firing up and then spreading out uh, the way that those are designed. It's sort of simmering up and and then rolling out. And uh, mm. like I said, I think it's a character that is um, you know, that's really, really, really nice. Yeah, there's really almost no way to mimic that. Uh, so it's a really nice addition kind of into the complexity. I, you know, the, the rest of the beer just has to be built around it. So the the your calandria doesn't work the way that you think it was designed, but it the flavor it gives is is still pleasant, and you're you don't want to f- quote fix it. I mean, the, you know the the move for us in the next year or so will will be to try to get a new brew house. Um, oh, okay, so you don't you just why waste the time? Yeah, there, okay. I mean, there's all kinds. I mean, the the bottom dish leaks. The you know, I could spend 20 minutes on sort of the issues that uh, it's you know, it's a 10 year old brew house. We bought, um, you know, we bought it uh, just about a year ago, um, but it had been you know, it had been ridden pretty hard for the time that they had it, and uh, yeah, as many as we look forward, you know, we kind of looked at everything that existed and I said, okay, let's get in here and let's kind of just get started and get to a point where we hopefully can stop losing money. Um, and then we'll, <laughs> you know, we'll, yep. we'll start to address some of the major issues once we can. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the first ones that, you know, we're going to, we're going to look at just not just because of the boiling. I mean, that's, that's, like I said, I think I really, you know, I, I enjoy the flavor that comes off it. You can kind of work around it, um, or lay, you know, um, uh, just, consider it when you build your, build your recipes. Uh, but it's, it's definitely one of the things that, you know, we'll look at first to, to fix quote unquote. <laughs> okay. Got it. So, uh, let's talk a little bit, man, about your, about your background. Now that I've had half this beer already, uh, how did you get involved in the beer industry? Were you home brewing beforehand? I know we've sort of probably been over this before, but, uh, mm-hmm. it bears repeating. Yeah. Um, yeah, I started as a home brewer for sure. Um, I was, uh, I I was was going to school at the time and you know in college you kind of have these really dense periods of time where you work really hard and then a lot of time kind of off and so mm-hmm. in those times I you know I found homebrewing and just dove deep down the rabbit hole kind of immediately and you know started with extract I think my first batch was an extract batch and um it was just absolutely terrible you know, I had, Oh God, it was so bad. Uh, what was your first batch? Oh, my first batch was just awful. What was it? What Uh, style was it? Uh, it was an IPA. It was a stone ruination clone. Well, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but you know, I I had read the whole, I read John Palmer's book front to back and I, I know that was my, that's, that's a a weighty tome, man. Cause Palmer (laughs) knows too much about a lot of stuff and he'll share it with you. No, and, it was, it was just my, you know, I didn't quite understand yet. Right. Like you that's what it. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's totally. hard. It's tough. It's a lot. It's that's your entry point. That's, that's, I mean, you know, you have to, be, I, I don't know, in my opinion, you have to be kind of sharp to get to, to go to John Palmer's <laughs> how to brew as your first entry point. Like, okay. yeah. And All right. I mean, and, but the information, I mean, still to this day, like when we train brewers who are, uh, you know, just getting started or aren't familiar with the process. That's always where I start with them. And, you know, I, I, I will kind of go through and maybe outline some sections like, Hey, don't look at the rest of this stuff, but look yeah. at this, this, and this. And it's more about learning the language than it is anything else, because it is learning. Brewing is like, it's almost like learning a foreign language, the the terms and the, and the, you know, the, the names for the equipment, it, they're all, they're yeah. all foreign. 
And, yeah. you know, the, the first kind of base thing you have to do is kind of get that, get that knowledge, you know, get that, um, the, the, the lingo. Um, and so what I would do is I, I would read it. And then anytime I'd come across a word, I didn't know, I would just look that word up. And it was, it was painstaking to read because it was like every paragraph, there'd be, you know, four or five words. I didn't know like what's a Vorloff and what's a, you know, <laughs> it's like reading the, uh, the, the, uh, train spotting the novel. If you ever yeah, read that, I, or it's just like, I, I need, I mean, there's a glossary in the back of the book. That's how much the, the publisher knew that nobody would understand Scottish slang. Yeah. But there you and, go. And that's what it reads like initially, yeah. you know? Um, but by the end of the book, the, you know, I was not looking up words as much and, um, you know, but yeah, that was, that was kind of where I started. I, I ended up, uh, working at the homebrew shop here in town. Um, and that kind of, for me, cemented that sort of, you know, um, the, my education, my self-education that I was putting myself through all the, all the stuff I was reading on my own. And I was seeking out brewing textbooks and really yeah. trying to learn the science behind it. And people would come into the homebrew shop and ask questions and, um, you know, you would repeat them over and over and over. And, and there's, that's a really good way to have information stick is to, have to you know teach it to someone mm -hmm. else and yeah. to be able to be able to do it over and over again really kind of helps cement all that information um which i've all for you know forgotten for the most part now of course uh, but yeah. uh, well now you just, yeah. you just outsource it to john palmer in the written form <laughs> yeah um but a, uh yeah i i went from home brewing and uh graduated and didn't know what i was going to do um, but by that time i was you know entering local homebrew competitions and and winning them and um, you know, I was pretty close kind of with the homebrew circle here locally. And mm -hmm. a couple of my friends, um, had jobs at Firestone and nice. uh, Matt was just desperate enough to, you know, grab some crazy homebrewer off the street. <laughs> well, you're taller than uh, him. So <laughs> yeah, he was just, he was intimidated. I think more. <laughs> that's right. You know, uh, he'd uh, kick his butt. I, I, uh, uh, yes, I'll hire you, whatever you want. Yeah. We didn't even mention. <laughs> so you're, where are you? Uh, San Luis Obispo? Uh, we're in San Luis Obispo. Yeah. San Luis Obispo. Okay. All right. So you're Central Coast boy. Yep. Yeah. Born For and sure. raised. Yep. All right. Um, but yeah, from Firestone, I went to uh, Central Coast Brewing. Um, I actually worked briefly at Central Coast before Firestone uh, while I was kind of still graduating. Uh, I still didn't really have any idea what I was doing at that point. Um, Firestone yeah. is obviously, you know, that's uh, that's the that was the big piece of not not just education but you know f learning how to operate commercial equipment um you know so that was that was really where i got my training um and then i went back to central coast uh, central coast brewing and was the head brewer there for about five years um, before we started our place wow okay all right what did you uh, go to school for uh marketing marketing wow mm -hmm. see so back, to back, our, to back to our Weber and Jorts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, it's full yeah, circle. Well, you know, I, I went back to school when I was 25. Uh, my son was born when I was 25. And so I went back to college thinking like, you know, I'm going to tell this kid to do his homework one day. He's going to be like, well, you didn't. Yeah. And so I feel like that's a good time. When, when you, once, once you have a newborn, you know what you should do. Let's go back to school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's smart, man. Uh, yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, by the time I had gone back to school, it was like, I already kind of was trying to figure out exactly what I was going to do and found home brewing, you know, pretty early when I went back. And so decided to pick business and marketing uh, so that I could kind of focus on, you know, I had something to focus on. I wanted yeah. to, 
at someday open a brewery. And so I could kind of take these business classes with, uh, you know, the focus of potentially one day owning my own brewery. That's right. I mean, and that's pretty good, man. I mean, look, look at Stringer Bell, you know, watching the wire, like he was a drug dealer and then took business classes. You want to do the opposite. And that's, exactly. I don't know, man. Uh, And you graduated. Supposedly. I did. There you go. Good job. I think so. so. (laughs) So, okay. So you're, you're central coast, you're Firestone, you're central coast. How do you wind up uh, opening, opening your own place? Oh, uh, you know, so it was, it was funny. I really wasn't looking to do this. Um, I had this idea to just open a beer bar and it was, uh, you know, (laughs) Um, I mean, anybody who's, you know, worked in at an, at an actual brewery, it is so much easier just to run a beer bar, you know? And it's not that much more expensive to buy a keg at wholesale than it is to make it, you know, <laughs> like it's seriously. And so, and I, and I was going to keep my job You know, I was going to, I, I, I was never going to be happy if I wasn't brewing beer. I always was going to need that creative outlet. Mm. Um, but I just, I wanted to kind of start something, you know, on my, that, that I owned um, and, you know, maybe, maybe find a space that had a little warehouse space next to it. And so once the beer bar was successful, I could put a little, you know, seven barrel pub in and self distro. And um, and so I was, yeah. So I was just looking for, looking for some uh, real estate to, to do that. And, you know, I, I, in my journey there, I, I, I was talking to a friend of mine who told me that the old Tappet Brewing was for sale, which is, you know, where we're at. And, you know, it's a 20 barrel brew house and it's got three 80 barrel tanks and five forties and wow. know, a silo. And, um, you know, it's like, Oh God, that's a big system. <laughs> First of all, that's yeah. a big, that's a big system just, you know, to be casually thrown out there in a conversation, but that's also a big system to jump into. I think, yeah, I mean, I, you're coming from Firestone and Central Coast, so you're, you're used to that, I guess, but yeah, well, and I had, I had just, I the, the one, the one I built at central coast was, uh, about the same size. So it was a 20 barrel brew house. Oh, okay. We, we put eight sixties in, um, you know, but it was like my dream system. It was like everything, you know, the forklift pathway in to get the grain out was easy. Oh. Like catwalk around all the tanks. That's like, not your money, man. Let's you know? go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Build it, exactly. baby. Exactly. How um, was, so uh, first of all, I didn't know you built that system. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit, but Go, coming from a place that you built and you designed to then walking into here to look at, you know, what you potentially could be buying. How was, I feel like it was like, uh, you know, uh, revenge of the nerds when they, when they find their frat house, you're like, what is, what's going on, man? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, I could spend an hour going over the, you know, my, my frustrations on, on, on some of the stuff that was handled during installation here. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's stuff you can work around. And, and, you know, I think ultimately if we can get this thing kind of continuing to head in the direction that it's heading, uh, we'll be able to go back and, and, to, uh, you know, to fix some of the issues. And, you know, it, this was for, you know, comparison, the place at central coast that, that, that I, you know, that we built was uh, it took us two years, you know, it was 24 wow. months to, to get open and we walked into this building. We we got keys in December, and we were open on you know January twenty fourth. Wow! And that's just that's crazy, right? Like, yeah. But um, everything we, was know, in place. Everything was in place. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, and it, it's it's you know it is how much. It, I don't even know what I, my thought process here is, but um, you can make award winning beer on any system. Yeah, that yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and I agree with that. It's just again, it's those little things. It's like okay, well, this Calandria, um, you know, gets gives a rich caramelized character, so keep your caramel malt out of this. Um, you know, if you have hmm. water that's really hard, you know, then you've got to look at you know treating your water. And if your water's, you know, it's just it's about tasting the beer and having the palate, the confidence in your palate to know what to do with the beer when you taste it. Yeah, that's a good point. Because for me, I'm like always, uh, you know, to to paraphrase a popular song, I'm always trying to chase waterfalls, right? Like, <laughs> especially with like at home, uh, just to, you know, talk about me for a second, because I don't do that enough. Um, I, I got a new computer to do streaming because I want to like reduce the amount of computers that I have. And then, uh, you know, but then I got that and then I had audio issues. So I had to try to figure that out. And then eventually I just had to replace my soundboard with a better soundboard. And then I had this. Th- so it's like there's there's always a thing. And then I go, well, there's this there's this buzz. There's a hiss. There's a thing. I need to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I spent days just figuring this thing out. And but you you, you sort of have to because you can't work around it. But I think in brewing, that's one of the one of the industries where you you can work around something especially like on a homebrew level everybody listening knows this where it's like oh my my pump doesn't work as well as it should so i have to do this or my hot bag doesn't whatever i don't i don't remember my whirlpool arm doesn't angle properly but you have to work around it and it sort of like relies on your creativity it's not just recipe formulation but it's how you manipulate the um the the machinery, how you manipulate the kettles, how you tweak the the gas from the ball bulb, all that kind of stuff to really uh, that really kind of sets the product apart. So I think it's yeah. pretty cool. I don't know. Yeah, and and you know, I I definitely I enjoy that part of the process, right? Like, I yeah. I am a constant tinkerer. I, yeah. I we are, you know, we're we're always trying new things, and well, let's see what happens if we do this, and then change this, and then change this, and it's sort of this. You know, it's if people used to ask me all the time, like when I was at CCB, like, oh, what's 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 in that beer or how do you make that? I'm like, well, which one did you have? What was the lot number? <laughs> yeah, it was, this, it was this beer. I go, no, no, no. But like when, like which one? Because, you know, it could have been this or we may have changed the water or, mm-hmm. you know, I might have tried something new with the dry hop or. Yeah. And to me, it, it, there's, you know, there's a target flavor, flavor profile you're looking for. And there's a lot of ways to get there. And, you know, my my goal is to try to make better beer every time. Um, you know, even if it's kind of incrementally, like I want to see what little changes do and if I like them and if I like yes. them, I'll keep them. And, you know, I don't want the beer to be so different batch to batch to that. People are going to go, wait, hold on. What'd you do? But if I can get a little more hop aroma, you know, from one way or get beer a little bit softer that I want softer or whatever it is, you know, like I love making those little changes and kind of tinkering with stuff and, you know. it, it it always blew my mind and, and I wonder if it just me or if it was the time or both because I'm stupid uh, <laughs> and I didn't think about this but when I first started uh, you know talking to brewers as a home brewer um, on this show I think it was also you know 2005 um, it it blew my mind that you guys did these things where you would tweak it and you know and th- I learned about like okay well you know um, 
<laughs> plant-based beer now is a trending <laughs> hashtag so uh, because uh, some people are dumb but uh, you know it's like it's it's a it's an agricultural product so you do have to change the amount of malt but even like hops or 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 percentages of the recipe or whatever to do what you're doing to tweak out the flavor a little bit i didn't think about it like that i figured like it was like um, your barbecue rub where you don't change it or your whatever it is, right? This is what it is. It's a painting. I'm going to recreate this painting all the time Ooh. in perpetuity and that's it. But it, it sort of blew me away that there are these little shifts because some people aren't ever really happy with it. Some people are like, well, this is what the, the customer expects, but there's brewers like you who, who just go, well, I, I drink it too. So I want to try to do this thing or I'm experimenting or is it, do you keep changing it because you you want to try new things or do you worry about well, uh, yeah do you worry about that kind of stuff where people are going to go wow this is different than last time i mean you said that's not I mean, your goal <laughs> I, is, I, I don't worry about it too much yeah. um but i i mean i try to keep the changes small um but i think you hit on something that you know it is an agricultural product and hops change year to year you know i think one of the reasons i kind of have always done this is because when we were, you know, when we were at Central Coast, when I was at Central Coast, we were, we were small. It, was, it started as a really small brewery. And, you know, we kind of took what we could get for hops. You know, I think a good illustration of that kind of, you know, target flavor profile and having a lot of ways to get there. And sometimes it's, you know, your mosaic is full of tangerine and, and uh, you know, uh, the next year it's, it's more piney. And so you might have to change the hops to get the same flavor profile. Um, when I was at central coast, you know, uh, we were lucky enough to get a medal with our pale ale at GABF three years in a row. And each three of those years, we had different dry wow. hops. And, you know, the first Damn. year was mosaic galaxy and then we couldn't get galaxy. So we went, uh, mosaic citra the next year, just evenly paired. Um, and then the third year we got, we had contracts for galaxy back and I'm, now I'm trying to think of what that third year was, but it was different than either of those two. I think we, we didn't want to change it so much. So we put a little bit of galaxy back in and then still had the citra, but those beers, each of those three years were different. But I think that, you know, people along the way didn't really couldn't tell because, you know, you can, you can, you can take those hops and, and sort of identify the character that they're contributing and try to blend them and, and again, get to that kind of target flavor profile. Yeah. And then, so for a beer like your, your pale, well, you know what, let's do this. We've been at it for half an hour. Let me take a break. <laughs> I'm going to go get uh, two beers, probably the Munich Dunkel, I think you sent and a pale ale. Yeah. I'm going to get those because what I want to talk about is how you make those changes, especially entering a competition like GABF. When you're making changes, do you do test brews or do you know enough? All this kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, hang on, everybody. It's Brendan with Liquid Gravity Brewing at San Luis Obispo. It's the session. We'll be right back. Segmented, demented, fermented, fermented. It's the session. Hey, thanks for hanging around, everybody. It's the session. We're here with Brendan from Liquid Gravity Brewing, St. Louis Obispo. Same. St. Louis Obispo. See, it's that Saint Texas Louis accent, Obispo. man. I feel like that's why Texans have that weird accent, because they're just lazy. <laughs> that's 100%. Why. Yeah. yeah. St. Saint- Louis Obispo. <laughs> um, I got two beers. All right. I got Goodnight Munich, which is a dark lager, and then I got Pale from the Crypt, which... Um, I feel well, like actually I got, I got something cool we can do. Do you have two glasses? 
I don't. Okay. Well, yes, I hear. Let me finish this. Let me chug this. So I, I literally brought a dump bucket so you wouldn't make me. Well, this was supposed to be my dump bucket. So I poured the rest of the Pilsner in here. It's but, a good place for it. <laughs> well, because I'm like, oh, look, I, I got five other beers to, to drink. I'm not going to drink them all, but the Pilsner's, you know, sub five. And that's my, yeah. that's my chef kiss moment. So uh, now I have two glasses and, uh, and 16 ounces of beer in me. So now okay. what do I do? So uh, let's pour both of these possible. Okay. Um, I just, I had this moment the other day where I um, was, you know, trying the pale ale, making sure that, you know, it was, it was all right. Um, you know, quality check, you know, QC. Yeah. Quote unquote. Uh, got it. Quote, quote unquote. Um, some people call it drinking. It's my job. So I get to call it QC. Uh, but I noticed that going back from, and this isn't, you know, a, a really new concept, but something in those dark beers, I don't know if it's the the roasted grain, but something, something really, really, really makes the hops explode after you smell the dark beer. It's almost like, you know, uh, some coffee beans will sort of neutralize and bring things back. So wait, start with the pail and just smell the pail on its own. Smelling the pail on its own. Okay. You know, it's good. It's nice good, man. It's uh, 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 tangerine, uh, like yeah. cuties, oranges, like the peel yeah. of that. Yeah. But if you go from the dark lager and go back to it, um, it's so much more explosive. It's it's crazy. So smell the dark lager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get your nose in that thing. Smell a little bit. You know, something in that okay. dark grain. And then go back to. A little chocolatey, a little raspberry. Mm-hmm. And then go back to the pale. And it's like explosive. It's, uh, you know, I, I get what you're saying. It's not explosive to me because, you know, I'm a super taster and I'll say that forever. <laughs> so, but what I, but what it does is it changes what I smell. So now instead of smelling like a tangerine, like those kind of stuff, it smells like Ruby grapefruit. Interesting. It, it completely changes. It's it like does, those, yeah. uh, like the super fruit, like, uh, you know, things where like it changes your palate where mustard tastes like pudding or whatever. You ever eaten those? Uh, it's, sure. Yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they're a trip, man. But yeah. yeah I, 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 I still get more expression out of it when I go to it. Um, well, I, I won't disagree with you that it changes though. Maybe that's uh, what it, maybe, maybe, maybe it's the same thing, right? Yeah, maybe that works, yeah. that grapefruit sort of is elevated because I imagine it's not just magically there, but the tangerine <laughs> smell sort of dominated. But this brings it forward a little more. That is interesting, yeah. though, how it how it just, you know, kind of a cool exercise. But when I am evaluating hoppy beers and I I feel like I'm getting sort of aroma fatigue or palate fatigue, I'll use um, our dark our dark lager or some stout or something with, mm-hmm. with dark grain in it to kind of reset and sort of clear it and go back, you know. You don't smell your arm like every BJCP judge does, is this? Oh, uh, <laughs> that's my, it's one of my wife, uh, shout out to Celeste. Uh, it's one of her favorite uh, tricks to, uh, you know, to, to show people. And it, it, yeah. it does work. It, it works. It helps you, it gets, you get back to that kind of baseline of, you know, whatever your neutral is. So yeah. For you, I, like disgusting. That's uh, right. No, I'm just- <laughs> right. Well, I, I mean, I used to do the, um, that, that arm trick, but I can't anymore because my rose petal lotion throws it off. <laughs> So I gotta, yeah. you know what I mean? I like your rose petal lotion, JP. Don't change it. Thanks, man. Well, you bought it for me. Um, <laughs> all right. So what should we start with? Should we start with the pail? I don't even know, man. Yeah, let's start with the pail because, you know, the, right. I think the dark lager can do 
uh, you know, it'll be nice if it warms up a little bit, sits out. All right. So this one is called Pale from the Crypt. And I noticed the IP infringement. You guys have stolen this. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm kidding. Now we haven't. But it is the um, EC Comics. Is that what the thing is in the yeah. back? This it, is a partnership. Yeah, talk to me about this because this is 100% one of those things where I would see on the internet and go, fuck those guys, dude. They stole <laughs> the thing and whatever, but this isn't the case. Yeah, well, it's, it is actually a cool story. So, you know, the, the the name came to me just, you know, first and um, Pale from the Crypt is like, okay, we have uh, a friend of mine who, uh, it's, you know, he's, he's, he's become a friend now, but at the time he was a friend of a friend who does illustrations hmm. and this guy is, you know, incredible. His name's Toby. Shout out to Toby if he's listening. Um, and so the first batch of Pale from the Crypt we made uh, was, you know, just this immaculate, you know, piece of art. I mean, Toby just killed it. And, you know, most of the IP thefts that you see uh, <laughs> aren't executed very well. No. You know? And, um, and, and, and honestly, I had a conversation with Toby about it. I'm like, look, I'm not, we're not, I'm not trying to like infringe, but you get some, there's a little bit of wiggle room, you know, if, if it's, you can consider yes. it a parody, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and so uh, anyways, we put the beer out and the problem was it was so, the artwork was so awesome. The label was so good that it got back to EC Comics because somebody who knows them uh, had thought that they had licensed it because it looked pro. Right. You know, and so um, I, we got an email from uh, the guy who owns EC Comics, who owns the trademarks. And it was a, it was a pretty nice email, you know, as far as the tone goes, it wasn't uh <laughs> Hey, you know, stop doing this or we're, you know, we're coming for your firstborn. Right. Right. It was like, uh, Hey, we actually think what you're doing is really cool. uh, But that's our stuff. And I'm like, Oh, you know, like, you know, the whole parody explanation. And he's like, yeah, that's cool. Like that's our stuff. And I'm like, okay, like I get it. But he, you know, at the same time, he wasn't, it wasn't a stop doing this. It was, it was more of a, like, you know, we think this is really cool. But, you know, let's like if maybe we could find an agreement where we can work together. And I know it was uh, and, and so I went and looked the guy up who, who had emailed me, actually, his name's Corey. Um, and, you know, I, lo- I go and look him up because, you know, I'm just I figure he's like a lawyer for, you know, EC Comics, sure. some, guy in a su- some guy in a suit. Yeah. And uh, I look him up and, and he's not a lawyer. In fact, he's the, the uh, I believe, the grandson um, of, I don't think it's great grandson. I think it's grandson of the guy who he didn't found it, but he essentially made it what it is, uh, EC comics. Okay. And so, so him and his mom essentially run the company. And so it's still this family owned deal. The, the email came directly from him and, you know, we just kind of, I, we got along, uh, as soon as we kind of, you know, had our first conversation and I know it was really important to them that we, that we weren't assholes, I think is probably the best way to put it. Right. Um, and you, so you, you can't know. be, it's such a touchy subject, man. It's like, cause you like this case in point, I know you haven't finished your story, but you, cause you never know where something like this is going to go. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, cause he pitched a, you know, we, while we were trying to figure out how much, you know, this is worth, like we can't pay them what it's worth. Right. Because we don't make hardly any money on, on the cans that we sell at wholesale. Right. Well, and like, the, the tales from the crypt brand in and of itself, you, you mean it's had movies. It's what, it's like a seven or 10 series, a uh, 10 season TV show. And the, they have the remake, which I hear isn't very good. Um, <laughs> but that you, you, that, that would be impossible to put a, a, a price tag on it where a craft brewer could be yeah. in reach of it. 
there's no way. No. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, when I kind of told them, like, hey, man, like, this is probably legitimately all we could afford before I just call it something else, you know? Yeah. Um, and he's like, he's like, oh, okay, you know, and he wanted to know um, just more about the company and kind of more about our story. And so he actually came down when he was uh, in the area. He was in Paso and uh, made a trip to our brewery. And, you know, we kind of all sat and talked and hung out and we both felt really good about it. And, uh, you know, we started talking about exactly what our partnership was going to look like. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he had, uh, it was, I was just kind of floored by the, the floored by the fact that they were willing to open up their original comic book cover art to us, uh, to use in these beers. Wow. Um, and so, you know, the one that you have there, I don't know if people are watching or just listening, but I'll, I'll sure, hold man. it up. Um, but this is the, if you want to see it, go to our YouTube page. Uh, cause I'll be, I'll, this is where we sort of archive the videos. So you can check it out or Google it. I mean, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, this one is issue number 29, uh, the April, May, uh, issue, uh, from 1952 from tales from the crypt. So, uh, you know, these, these artists who, who drew these, you know, these, the cover art for them are just legends. And so we're so this artwork is from, I mean, it's been changed obviously to like fit the the can and the the guy, instead of having a hand, we, we changed the can to fit the art. Um, so uh, well, I mean, the guy. The, so, so on the cover, on the on the cover, on the on the on the can art, there's a guy like nailing another guy into a coffin, and he has nails in his his mouth. But instead of a hammer, he has a can of your beer. So that yeah, that yeah. was the one thing we changed. Right. So, so but no. for otherwise, this is the the art from the comic book. Correct. Yeah. Damn, dude, that's cool. Yeah, and the one we had, um, you know, the one that the so we have we've had three batches of this beer that we've made. The first one, which is the one that my, my friend Toby designed, the one that got us, I'll say, you know, in trouble, yeah. uh, and the the one that you know that was kind of responsible for us being able to to you know uh, discover this this relationship, um, and then the second one. Uh, was a red label, um, which is the same as the first one, uh, that had different art. And I forget the exact issue that it was, but it was like, you know, one of the most iconic pieces of art from the Tales of the Crypt uh, comic book series. Um, and, you know, we're taking some guidance kind of from uh, from their from their side on which art they think, is, you know, they consider really special. Because we want this to mean something for them too. You yeah, know? smart. That's really good. Um, that's a very smart way to approach it because it has to, it has to, right, right, right. Because what, whatever you're making up for in the, in the price tag, it has to meet, has to be nostalgia or, or, or sense of pride, I would imagine mm-hmm. too, because you can't, you know, you can't put a value on it like that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's funny comic book. We, we get, as soon as we made this beer, we started getting people would hit us up on Instagram and Facebook, like from other parts of the world, uh, you know, certainly other parts of the country. And they just, it's funny. A lot of them are like, Oh, we don't even care about the beer. Can you just send me cans? I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, no, yeah, I, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, maybe I wonder if you could just put the empty can in your web store. And just sell an empty can with shipping. See, this is our joint marketing program for, that we got going. Hey, I, I get is, I get 10% of that idea. Yeah. For like five bucks plus wherever shipping it is or whatever. And, you know, there you go, man. I, that's actually a, a pretty good idea. 
Nice. We, we should Thanks, do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and you know, to me, this just the style uh, for talking about the beer. Pale ale is something that. Oh yeah, you know, the beer. There's beer. Yeah. That's right. yeah. <laughs> well, and that's. I mean, that's. Uh, you know, it's. It, it. It. A lot of it is about. You know, to me, this beer is so much more than the beer now. Yeah. Um, through the relationships that we've forged and and the partnership, I mean, it is. It's a special thing, kind of completely. Um, I also do love the beer, though. You know, yeah, um, it, it's it's a good beer. It is really cool. That's that's funny how like a parody sort of got you into this. And that's you know, that's the craft beer space as we sort of push the envelope. I say we, um, you know, you guys push the envelope for stuff and whatever. Um, it, it is what it is. There are people who are just e- explosively blatant about it. And that shit sucks. But uh, and I, don't, I didn't see the, the original artwork, so it's fine. But you, you definitely can do parody. And I think that's funny. Um, but also cheers to EC comics for not just saying no, you know, I had a thing with, um, uh, with the stupid coveyors that I made for my Disney shit or whatever, and literally called <laughs> coveyors. They're, they cover your Mickey mouse ears. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen two people now on Etsy selling them and it's like, okay. So I had to actually reach out to these people and be like, look, I actually own a design patent. And so they get into that whole thing and it's like, well, now maybe we'll work together because you're not being a dickhead and I'm not being a dickhead and we're sort of like being amical about it. And it's a different thing because we both had the similar idea, you know, but I just got to it first. But with you, it's it, it is sort of an expression of just, you know, do what you can to not rip people off and then don't be a dickhead if you ever get called out for it. And maybe you know, maybe you can have cool can art like this. That's right. That's that's the moral of the story. The beer's pretty cool too, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I love pale ales. To me, yeah. that you yeah. know, this is something you know. Rest in peace, tasty. But um, you know, something he and I really shared a love for was these kind of low alcohol, five and a half percent, yeah, um, hop, hoppy beers that are hopped like a West Coast IPA. Uh, but there's there's a little more balance in them. Um, it's you know, it's a creamy sweet. Hmm mouthfeel yeah. and then the hops that you chose which says uh strata and mosaic mm-hmm. sort of match that it's that it, it sort of accentuates some of that sweet um yeah. and and i think doesn't really lead you to believe that it is five and a half percent you know it's just an easy drinker it's almost <clears throat> more juicy quote unquote than some hazy ipas that i've had mm-hmm. i think because of that yeah and i think you know um and and I and I'm I'm, I'm kind of in the same camp where if if I get over six and a half percent, you know I'm I'm keeping crystal malt out of the IPA or or keeping it yeah. like you know very 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 low, uh, but with these lower alcohol beers, there you're you're missing the alcohol, and alcohol has a very distinct texture and viscosity to it, and it contributes heavily to the mouthfeel of of beers, and so if you're missing it on a you know five percent beer or, or something in that in that range. And, you know, you're hopping this thing like you would a West Coast IPA, it's it's going to be way out of balance. And so I kind of take that approach where the lower in alcohol I go, um, you know, I, in my opinion, the more specialty malt some of these beers can um, can support. So, yeah. you know, in our in our West Coast IPA, we're adding dextrose to dry it out and we're, you know, um, almost no crystal malt or most of them no crystal malt. We do put a little bit in some. Um, but there's really no specialty malt in those in the IPAs. And then as you get into that five, five and a half percent range, um, you know, we put little crystal malt, we put some carafone, put some torrified wheat. Um, you know, I mean, this is, I mean, this is my old homebrew pale ale recipe, really. Is it really? Uh, Damn. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. It's, I mean, it's kind of just, I think that 
you know, there's, and I, and again, I kind of am constantly tweaking the recipes a little different here than it was when I made it at CCB. It's a little <laughs> different at CCB than it was when I made it, you know, as a homebrew. Sure, man. Um, but, uh, you know, I, you know, that, that those common philosophies of, of building that, 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 that base up on those beers that don't have the alcohol to support it is consistent. Yeah. Uh, do you sell shirts of these, these labels? We well, so we have, we have shirts with the original, uh, artwork from my artist or, mm. or uh, from Toby. Um, and that's the one with the, like, it's got the hand kind of claw coming out of the grave. It says RIP West coast, I, or West coast pale ale. <laughs> nice, um, and, uh, we have shirts that we had printed with that. Yeah. Um, it was funny. We had this whole, we were going to roll out this whole thing where, um, you know, I loved the concept so much. I called Toby and was like, Hey man, like I want to do like this series of these where, you know, we take, you know, we'll do three panels of art every time we release it. And we'll, we'll tell this story over the course of a year and we'll have this comic book to release at the end. And you know, we had, we had all this stuff printed. I still have posters and, and stickers from the first run that was supposed to happen. And, uh, that was when we got the email <laughs> kind of, oh, we so just, you, I don't mean like, not, not to be too, get too much in the, into the weeds on that. Cause I mean, I feel like we can do half an hour just on this whole thing, but so you, you couldn't, you can't sell any of that. If you're going to do it, you have to use their art. I get, I mean, I get that. And that totally makes sense because you don't want to conflate the two. Yeah. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't even that they said we couldn't use the stuff that we had. It's just, it, mm-hmm. we, you know, from a, conceptually it just went a different direction it's like like i and honestly i i I love where we're at with it i i think the opportunity to use their artwork from these comic books from the 50s is like you don't pass that up no it's great that's why i'm saying like i I would wear that on t-shirt yeah like what we were gonna tell we were gonna tell a comic book story and you know probably have it suck kind of (laughs) well you know you know i mean let's comic books kind of suck i mean that's just what happens Certainly, if I had to write it, I'd be like, oh, I don't, you know. Uh, but yeah, guy it, farts it a lot. Up, I... Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it ended up, you know, I'm, cool. I'm incredibly stoked to be, you know, uh, to be doing this beer with these guys. No, that's a cool story, man, and uh, um, lucky. I think that's that's pretty cool. Um, enough about the pale ale. Who gives a shit? I mean, it's not yeah. Sierra Nevada, so who cares? Exactly. Um, Good night, Munich. Let's talk a little bit about this guy, please. Yes, that's a Munich Dunkel, a dark lager. Um, this is one of the one of the early beers we made. Um, yeah, we. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I we don't have a brown ale. We don't have an amber ale, and so there's still a lot of there's not anybody buying those in cans or bottles anymore. But yeah. you still get a fair amount of those guys like coming in, um, who hmm. you know if you don't have something in that kind of territory. And, you know, they don't have anything to drink. It's like they move. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, like, seriously. Yeah, uh, that's me. Yeah, exactly. Um, so to me, I wanted something that would kind of scratch the itch of amber ale guy, brown ale guy, um, but still was a beer that I found interesting and that I wanted to make. Okay. And so to me, that dark lager, um, I really, I really do love lagers and I love the, you know, the, I don't want to say challenge of, of, of making them. Um, but you know, they're a little more nuanced and the process is a little more involved. Um, and so I love that part of it. And, um, yeah, I mean, to me, dark loggers are, uh, you know, something that I, that I go to often if I'm out at some shit bar that has, you know, eight beers on tap and 
one of them's a Negromodello or a, or a Dos Equis Amber. Like that's, yeah, that's my jam every time. Negromodello is, is what I want to be embalmed with. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just such an easy drinker, but there's a little bit of flavor there to sort of satiate that. Like, you know, I don't know, whatever, something extra that you're not really drinking an import. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really yeah, and, and, and don't sleep on Dosecki's Amber either, man. That man, one's. I remember like um, uh, Lowenbrow Dark. Oh yeah, let's go back Slowly, to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, that shit sucked, but it was different enough to be like, I'm cool. I got Lowenbrow Dark, man. You know, you see that at the Bevmo every once a quarter, and you're like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, Lowy Dark. Uh, there's another shitty one. It's. Uh... I mean, I know uh, Bex has one, um, but I, I don't think I've ever it, bought that one. There's one at our pizza place here that that's, uh, was it Shinerbach? Shinerbach fucking sucks. I'm going to say that right now. It's off. I've, I've had, then don't give me this like, well, you need to drink it in Texas with boots on. And you know, like, I don't, I, I've had it in Austin and it's like syrupy and just sort of like fake. Still not good. It, it, no, yeah. it's like, it's like segmented. You know, how some beers. Maybe you're like me, Brendan. Maybe you're a, a super taster. <laughs> but sometimes, like, you, you can taste things and you can just taste the segments in it. And sometimes that works for shit, but sometimes it doesn't. And I think in darker beers, it doesn't really work. But Shinerbach to me is like disjointed. Yeah, it's like boop, boop, push the button. And then here's the thing that comes out. It's like uh, watching yeah. Star Trek, right? Where it's like, computer, synthesize a shitty Bach beer for me. And then they, and they give you Shinerbach. <laughs> That's the result. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's funny you bring that. Uh, so I, I, I have, uh, this moment where I realized that I, I do occasionally smell in color, which is kind of a weird thing. Um, yeah, look at I, you, I, dude, you're the beautiful mind guy. No, <laughs> I, but I, I, it was a word. I, I heard it come up in, in conversations like it's called synesthesia mm-hmm. yeah. and it, it's, and it's not just smelling or tasting. It's, it's, it's the association of, of any sensory, um, you know, it can be, you know, what you can see the alphabet um, and every letter represents different colors. And I swear to God, sometimes like with hops that I, that, that, that it kind of like um, it separates that way in my brain where I do see some colors of the stuff. And it's, it, it, it is helpful in being able to like identify things that you're trying to recreate or, you know, cause you can, it's a, it's not just a, a word that you're putting to something you're smelling. Right. It's an actual like visual thing. Um, but yeah. So I don't know if, I don't know if I'm a super taster, but uh, I do smell some colors every once in a while. Like what? Because uh, I, I agree for, with you. I do it too every yeah. once in a while. And because it's the only descriptor I can, I can think of. So I'm, I'm curious what, you so, know, give yeah, me an example. Uh, and I, I don't know if there's like levels of it because the the one that always like struck me and it, and it, it was, it was particularly like when mosaic kind of came out, but I would always get this like purple character and I, I can't mm. really just, dis- I can't describe it in any other words other than the color because like that's, I mean, I could describe the, you know, the aromas and flavors I got out of it. And if you want to associate that with the color, but like I would get this, this, like, you know, this association in my head when I would get this, like what I would call a, like a purple character when I would smell through some of these hoppy beers. And it was like, and it's one of my favorite things. And so, you know, as I come across it, I'm just like, Oh fuck, this thing's got that purple on it, you know? And so it's that like elusive, you know, character that I'm always searching for. (laughs) That honestly, uh, let me hear, here's another marketing thing for you. That would be a very, very good West coast IPA name. 
got that purple on it. <laughs> that yeah, just it, like that's like a danky. And everybody just thinks it's a weed reference. Yeah. Right. And it is, yeah. but also it's the thing. So it's a little it's double thing. thing for you. It you know, I think that'd be yeah, funny yeah. as hell, man. And right. you should pair with a local dispensary. There you go. I just, man, that's all I do. I think of winners. <laughs> I think it hits. That's me, baby. I'm uh, Phil Spector, but without the gun and abuse. Um, <laughs> this is uh, this is a very good uh, this is a very good beer. It's a uh, Munich Dunkel. Um, it's called Good Night Munich. It's very roasty, and it sort of rides that line for me between like a medium roast. And this is, and this is what I do, right? You think in colors or see colors or whatever you just said. Um, <laughs> I, I just I, I compare things and and I, I associate things with different things. So like I go, oh, well, to me, it smells like a medium roast African coffee. And I just I, I feel the leather boots tightening on me and like my cuff, you know, my pants cuffing up and my mm-hmm. flannel tucking into my shirt. Like I just feel like an asshole <laughs> saying that. But I really do because medium roast African coffees sort of have like a blueberry thing, but sometimes they can have like a raspberry lemony thing. And it's this whole deal. Right. So I get that out of there, but it alternates between like uh, chocolate with a little bit of raspberry and then um, like a, the medium roast coffee. So it's like, there's a, a basically there's like a berry thing happening yeah. with a chocolate undertone that sort of mix, mixes in with um, the coffee. What's your uh, malt bill on this? Yeah, I think, you know, as far as what I kind of pick out of this beer, I, I would I would totally agree with you. Um, we get, uh, we use, uh, it's a Pilsner malt base. So again, Wireman Pills for 57%. Um, this was, <laughs> when we, so typically, traditionally, these uh, Munich Dunkel would have a really heavy uh, dose of Munich. Um, when we first brewed this beer, it was kind of a, like, what malt do we have in house? I got some lager yeast. Let's see what we can do. Um, and so we, we, I use a lot of Vienna and other stuff. And so we had more Vienna than Munich. We only had a little bit of Munich when we brewed it the first time. And so I liked it when we brewed it the first time. So we kind of just kept making it that way. Uh, but it is uh, 28% Vienna. Um, and I'm knocking around here. So if anybody's tallying this up, it, probably, <laughs> it will not be a hundred percent. But there's eight, 8% Munich in it. Uh, we do use a, just a little touch of crystal light from Simpsons. That's at 2%. Uh, 2.2%. There you go. I give one decimal 2.2% <clears throat> because I think this part matters of Carafa three special mm. um, and uh, 20 pounds or one and a half percent of uh, midnight wheat. Okay. And then the rest. Uh, well, Pilsner malt was the base. 57%. Okay. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's not a hundred, but that's fine. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's we, really, can, we can figure it's it really out. Close. It's close enough, man. It's really it's close. close Okay, I think that's good, man. It's funny that the the midnight wheat for you is like the one that that really matters. Well, no, it doesn't. In fact, if I'm being 100% honest, I don't think it made it into this batch. Mm. Um, Again, this I I pulled the recipe from the first time we brewed it. Fucking liar, dude. And I I think we had a half a bag of Crawford Special, and I think I called my buddy at uh, Max over at There Does Not Exist, um, and he had, he's like, ah, I got like 20 pounds of midnight wheat, and I punch it in. I'm like, okay, that'll get me the color. Um, hmm. I, I believe I believe we just did one bag of uh, Crawford Three Special in this, which would have put it about uh, just under four percent, like three point eight percent. I mean, yeah, your label says heavy dose of Munich and Vienna malt. Uh, yeah, I mean there okay. is. It's uh, twenty eight and eight, so that's like thirty six percent. 
um, that, you know, to me, that 36% of those two malts is going to give you a nice kind of foundation of that toasty. Yeah. I think Doc would like this. I know he's not a big Munich fan, but I, I it's not um, as obvious, mm-hmm. you know, for me. It's yeah, 5.7% too, which is you know, a little high for me, but, you know, I'll accept it. Yeah, I'm looking back. <laughs> well, I'm looking back over my notes. Uh, so these are the old labels too. I think this one, don't tell the TTB. I hope no, they not. don't listen. I think this one's closer to five and a half. Okay, good. Then I love it. Because <laughs> yeah, you're, you're just like you, 0.2% yeah. matters. Okay? <laughs> I can yeah. tell the difference. Yeah. It's either I can drive on 5.7 or 5.5 five, or I can't on 5.7. That's That's true. I forget the two. Anyway, no, this is it's a it's a very flavorful, full bodied, rich beer, sub six, and I and I, I feel like it's hard to do. And and how much of that do you think is you building for the internal calandria? I want to call it an external calandria, but I feel like that would be very bad well, to have an external calandria. It's a, they, 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 those exist. Oh, shit. Um, there actually is a <laughs> okay. boiling mechanism where they run it on the outside of the kettle. And, and, I've, and I've never seen one. I've, I've read about them in uh, you know brewing textbooks, but mm. um, there is such a thing as an external calandria. Otherwise, you just call it a calandria. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, I mean, fair I mean, enough. You're right. I mean, <laughs> that makes sense. But everybody calls them assless chaps, even though there's no such thing Thank as you. chaps. Nobody yeah. understands that. All chaps are assless. Inherently, yeah. that's yeah. what they are. They're also yeah. internal legless. <laughs> yeah. Um, so guess, you know, anyways. So you're, you, you, I mean, you've sort of already said, but you build this beer for the caramelization that you get or the Maillard yeah. reactions for you purists out there to, that you get from it. I mean, so you have to be a little less, a little lighter handed on the darker malt so you don't emphasize hey, I guess- those? Yeah, when I, when I talk about that, it's it's a pretty, you know, it's not a it's not a really dominant character. So when I talk about that, I'm talking more about West Coast IPAs, okay. something that where that character really really matters. Like you punch yeah. up that caramelization by ten percent on a beer like this. I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but you don't have to really be careful what you're doing with it. Okay. Um, if you're you know if you've got a IPA West Coast IPA that's you know mostly two row and you're trying to have it really be, you know, bright and crisp and lean. And uh, you're like, Oh, I'm gonna throw a little bit of caramel malt in there to, you know, coming, you're talking about one to 2% caramel. And, you know, that kettle caramelization all of a sudden comes, comes into play. Um, I don't think it's as important on a beer like this. I think it's a positive contributor, but I wouldn't say that I, I build, you know, this recipe around the calandria on, on a, on a darker beer. Um, but I, I'm more, I'm more careful with it. Um, with the, with the West Coast IPAs. Okay. So yeah, it's like going from like a lilac to a lavender. That's a little bit more subtle, but if you did it with this, it might be going from like an indigo violet to like a fig or an amethyst is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh-huh. That's a hundred percent what I'm saying. <laughs> I just killed myself with my own stupid joke. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. Uh, it's our last break. I'm going to go get uh, all of the IPAs. Oh, no, boy. you have a Pilsner you sent too, didn't you? Or is that yeah, it? We started with that. That was it, right? So the rest is just That's IPAs. 
It's, uh, I believe it's IPA town after this, my friend. Yeah. All right. So that's it for the show. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. If you want to follow Brendan, no, um, I'm going to get the IPAs and we're going to crack those. We're going to get into that because I'm sure there's a lot of uh, stuff we can talk about on there. But um, yeah, the, it's a good Munich, man. It's very, uh, very rich and very hearty. Sub six. Love it. Good stuff. Yeah. Thank you, man. It's one, right. of my, one of my favorites. Yeah. Hang on, everybody. It's the session. I almost told you to hang on. Hang on, Brendan. We'll be right back with you from the set whatever um <laughs> yeah. tell me to hold on yeah uh, we'll be right back everybody uh hang tight you're tuned into the session Life's too short to listen to crappy radio. Hey, thanks for sticking around, everybody. We are still here with Brendan. I tried to hang up on him a couple times, but uh, apparently he back. has. Yeah, he kept calling back. So I'm like, what do you do? Oh, fine, fine. I'll finish the show. It's fine. Uh, Liquid Gravity is the uh, brewing company. Uh, Brendan is the brewer, owner, uh, social media guy. So if you see anything, uh, you know, weird online, it, it comes from him. <laughs> That's true. That's, what That's 100% is. true. Um, okay, so the, the only thing that we have left to talk about is uh, is IPAs. Your favorite. Yeah. Um, but before I uh, – well, look, I'll tell you what. Let's um, – I'm going to open um, – okay, so we'll save the double IPA for last. So I have two IPAs talk about we're going to talk about covid we're going to talk a little bit about the pandemic because to me that's very interesting and how breweries specifically are again i'll use the p word pivoting and adjusting their their uh, you know their distribution philosophy and all that kind of stuff i i I think that's very fascinating um that y'all are still able to sort of like get it up and running um so which of these two beers would be the best to to drink while we're talking about that we got the two hop series uh are you still down and then you're just apparently your standard West Coast. <laughs> so, yeah, the standard, the regular. Let's go. Um, th- the things that drive me crazy when, you know, my thinking when we named that beer, it's like, let's just name it the brewery, Liquid Gravity IPA. Let's make it our best beer. And it'll kind of be, you know, as we figure stuff out, we'll like integrate those changes and those improvements into this beer. It's going to kind of be, you know, this is always going to be our our best foot forward beer. And it, and I'm not saying that it's not, but I can't tell you how many people come up to the bar and they go, they're looking through the beers. Like, oh, I'll just get the regular IPA. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. Well, I, uh, I get that because it is, it's sort of like, it's not a slam or a knock, but it is no, like, just, what do you call it? You know? What do you it's, call it? Right. It's like, well, it's the regular. So if, like me, if I see the name is the name of the brewery IPA, yeah. I'll, especially if I'm, you know, half pissed already, well, I mean, let's be honest, that's not going to ever be me asking for that. But I can understand that from a drunk dickhead, you know, standpoint where it's like, I'll just take the regular, you know, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. The so it's funny. You know, I, I think we we may do a little rebranding on this where we're actually going to give it a name and call it LG IPA. So it has something that you can that you can call it. That's not, you know, the regular IPA. Yeah. It has its own name, but it still has you know, the brand association with, you know, the, the two letter acronym for the brewery. Yeah. Um, and I don't have to hear people order the regular IPA anymore. The LG. Yeah. Or yeah. people are going to say the Ligpa. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. When I, worked at, uh, when, I worked at Fire, when I worked at Firestone, I can't tell you how many times I heard people order uh, a Wooly Jack was one of the was one of the good ones. Yeah, uh, dude. And for like all all the brewer's favorite beer, you know, a lot of one of the brewer's favorite beers uh, was the unfiltered DBA, which we oh, affectionately. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, uh, we affectionately call Udba. Udba. But no, sorry. We call it uh, we call it UDBA. But people would come in and order Udba, <laughs> and it's like, uh, okay, I mean, whatever. What are you gonna do, uh, man? You know. Uh, but yeah, this do? is our. You know, we'll, I'll call it. I'll call it our flagship. Okay. How about that? How about that? Okay. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know, this is a. I would consider it sort of a a, a merging of of kind of old school West Coast and new school West Coast. It's got that modern, you know, very, very dry. This beer finishes uh, just above one Play-Doh, about 1.2 Play-Doh. Um, not a lot of specialty malt, corn sugar to dry it out, um, you know, but we put some Centennial in, uh, in, in with this beer along with the Mosaic. And uh, that Centennial to me really, really provides a, a foundation that is, you know, kind of, um, not. I don't want to say a throwback, but is... Um, sort of that classic, you know, pine and grapefruit that, um, you know, doesn't disintegrate as fast. Uh, you know, those the mosaics and the citros and the galaxies and all these new school hops are great, but they kind of flash like stars and they they die off faster. And I, to me, if you pair them with, you know, one of those more classic hops, and I really love Centennial for that, um, you get a little more, you know, a little longer legs on it that it tends to last a little longer in my opinion, but interesting. Um, so yeah, to me, this is, uh, you know, you get, you, you get kind of the best of both worlds where you get a little bit of that classic kind of piney grapefruit. Um, but there's, you know, there's still a little bit of that kind of mango papaya tropical, um, the citra that we have, I think kicks a little bit of that kind of tangerine and it is, you know, it does have, yeah. uh, a nice mouthfeel to it. Um, but it is still very dry. I mean, certainly by the numbers, it finishes very low. But this is, you know, don't think about it too much. This is your drinking beer. This is your drinking, drinking beer. Yeah. Yes. It's my drinking happy. Uh, when, when, you, when you sort of build for old school meets new school, uh, East Coast versus West Coast, I guess, um, you know, how do you address the hopping? For me, the, the aroma is West Coast. Mm-hmm. Right, it's the West Coast IPA, but the uh, the the flavor additions are new school IPAs. Mm-hmm. Is that when you're building that? Do you do you get that deep into the weeds about it? Like, do you go? I want to target this for aroma and this for flavor, or did it just sort of come out in the wash that way? No, I think uh, you know. I think uh, you know. We want this beer to to have that big, you know, kind of new school hop aroma mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Um, you know, I think that just the, the hop selection that, that, that we've, that we've chosen, um, you know, gives a little bit of that kind of classic profile, um, in, in both the aroma and the flavor. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I, it was like, oh, it has to smell new school and I wanted to taste, you know, a little bit classic or vice versa. Yeah. It was more like, you know, I I want this thing to really pop in the aroma and have that, you know, um, the unmistakable, Kind of, and, and and now we're getting into the discussion of, you know, new school West Coast versus, you know, maybe a modern, you know, take on the hazy or clear hazy or, you know, we're, this is like, 
this could be a two hour conversation on its own. Um, Dave, Dave, uh, for, formerly a flat tail now of, uh, 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 new spring, excuse me. Also new school. I guess I'm just stuck in those West coast rap like thing. Um, <clears throat> He and I have always had discussions about you can make a, a, a clear West Coast IPA that tastes like a hazy. Um, so that made, that just part made me laugh. But I, it sort of is is there. I don't want to say the mouthfeel is creamy in any sense of the word. But the hop, the hop flavor for me does sort of elongate and sort of last in a, in, in a coating way, coating mm-hmm. way. That some other IPAs, especially West Coast or New School or whatever you want to call it, are sort of like driving. This is sort of just like a like a like a marine layer, you know, just sort of like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, it's different. and you know, by, by design in a, and when we get into the two hop, we'll see what you think about that. But, um, you know, a lot of the beers that even the West Coast beers that we make have either very little or no bittering addition. Right. And so we're really getting all of our, all of our bitterness from that big whirlpool charge. Um, this, the, and in the liquid gravity, we do put, uh, let me, let me look up the paperwork here, but oh, it's here we go. The, we're looking on, it up. On, he doesn't on, know it second. folks. He doesn't uh, know his hold shit. On, hold on. So there is a, uh, about a 10 IBU charge up front on this. Not that that's a lot, but yeah. I think it distinguishes it from, uh, you know, some of the other new school West coast beers we make, or we'll, we'll leave that out. You know, and it'll be a hundred percent whirlpool edition. We'll cool down the whirlpool um, to okay. get the, you know, to even minimize the bitterness even further. But on um, this beer, I, I really did want that to kind of you know drive through. I wanted that bitterness to carry through a little bit more than you know the Sherbert West Coast IPAs yeah. that you know I like also. But you know, that's not what this beer was supposed to be. When you say up front, is that um in, in like a boil edition, like a sixty minute edition? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So right. we do, uh, kind of depending on how I'm feeling for the day, we'll do somewhere between like one and two pounds of warrior at, at boil start. Okay. In a 20 barrel batch. Yeah. And they typically yeah, get, it doesn't sound like much at all. Yeah. There it's, yeah. it's not, you know, we, we, like I said, we get about 10, 10 to 15 IBUs out of that. Um, uh, and then still on the back end, you know, this thing's getting 21 pounds of, uh, uh hops in the whirlpool. So it's, it's still definitely yeah. whirlpool driven, but what does distinguish it from some of the other, you know, maybe more modern or more new school beers that we're making, it still has that little bit up front to carry that through a little bit. Mm, okay. What about yeast on this? What kind of yeast do you use? Uh, we use the Chico strain, the okay, uh, you know, uh, the 001, US05, the uh, 50, 1056, whatever, however you want to slice it. Yeah. Do you prop in-house or are you buying these all the time? I mean, I imagine you're, uh, pre- you're doing combination i don't know yeah uh so it, it most of the west coast beers that we're making we're just we're, we're using uso5 um mm. which is the, which is the dry yeast um you know it's funny i remember uh talking to matt about this and i was almost like embarrassed to tell uh, matt brindleton i was almost embarrassed to tell him i was using dry yeast because you know coming from firestone it's like we'd prop all the yeast in house and you know i certainly uh i i i appreciate that and we and we do we prop yeast for our uh, for our hazy beers and for our loggers, but uh, I've I really 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 like the character of that USO five, um, and it does on some level it kind of dummy proofs it a little bit, you know depending on how many people you're have working in the in the cellar and who you know how many people you're trying to train it's like 
you know, it's the same amount of yeast all the time. It's very predictable. You know, there's a little more variability once you go to harvesting and you want to look at it under a microscope and, and stain it with your viability and your pitch weight. And, um, you know, it, it can get a little more complicated. Um, and I enjoy that part of it too, but you know, I, the consistency that we're able to get by, um, just being able to measure that yeast with a known amount, um, from the first time and have it not, you know, cost uh, an arm and a leg i mean if we were to order a 40 barrel or 80 barrel pitch of <clears throat> of liquid yeast from the lab it would be you know thousands of dollars um and so this is a way to um you know have it consistent and and if and if i thought that the character suffered from it i wouldn't use it i mean you know all the gabf metals we won at central coast and all those west coast beers uh, that we had success in competition with were always first gen uso5 on on the mm. on the california on 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 the west coast side wow um, do you reuse? Uh, I mean, do you ever go like uh, deeper generations of that dry yeast or is it just one and done? I, I one and done it. I, I also dry hop these West Coast beers pretty early. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like I said, they're getting down to 1.2, 1.3 Play-Doh, um, sometimes a little bit lower even. And, you know, we're dry hopping them most of the time around three. And so we're catching them pretty early. Uh, and so when we do that first dump before we dry hop, there's very, very little yeast that comes out of it. Okay. Uh, and yeah. so, uh, you know, I'm trying to catch some of that battle transformation and that mechanical action of, of, of fermentation to help stir the hops. Um, you know, so the, and I've talked to some other brewers, they're like, well, I'll just pitch it with yeast. I'm like, nah, I, I'll just, you know, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. It seems to be working. Yep. Yeah. There you go, man. Um, all right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the pandemic. Well, first of all, when when did you open? It sounds like you're you're very very new. Yeah, like what so year was op- it? We opened in uh, January of 2020. Okay, uh, that's what I thought, man. That is uh, not the best time. Not not how you draw it up. No, no, um, for sure. So, what about uh, the March? I think is when we when we hit the um, the lockdown. What are you feeling there? You're two months into what is your dream? I mean, you've been working at this for years. Yeah, it was terrifying. Yeah. Um, you know, se- seven, seven weeks in um, after we opened was the official shutdown. God. And, and, on, and honestly, you know, that, that first shutdown, we had money in the bank to lose, right? I yeah. mean, we, we, had, we knew we were going to lose money. At least it was there. Um, we, we didn't plan on losing it that way necessarily <laughs> right um, you thought but, like oh just a lot of marketing or yeah, you know missed opportunities well, you know, for merch <laughs> yeah so yeah. but but at the same time it was there at least yeah. um and so you know those 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 couple months or however long that first shutdown lasted was like okay like you know at least the money's there but you know obviously this can't go on forever and then as things kind of got a little better and, you know, we stabilized a little bit. And, you know, one of the things that we did, and this isn't, I don't think, unique to us, I think most breweries in the in the country uh, did a, you know, I'll use your word, pivot, and moved into cans. We were, um, you know, we were planning our, our business model on doing almost all draft. Mm. Um, you know, I, I really I want to preserve the freshness of our beer, and I want to make sure that when it gets in market, it's stable. And uh, we were certainly going to do cans, but we were going to do them small runs for in-house only and uh, where we could kind of control it and where I think beer lasts a little longer in kegs. Um, that was really what we were going to use in, in distribution. Um, and, you know, pandemic hit, and we kind of flipped on a dime and went 100% of our beer was going into cans at one point. And 
you know, coming back now, it's, I think it, it, it helped us because, uh, I think it's a better model to have, a, a you know, closer to an even split. And so we're doing about 50, 50 right now. And, um, you know, we're get we get a ton of people in who, uh, who have our beer that they buy it in cans at the liquor store in you know the valley or up in the Bay Area or down south, and you know they had no idea who we were. They liked our beer in cans. Now they're coming to our brewery, ah, and nice. You, and you don't get that same opportunity on draft at a restaurant or a beer bar. Yeah, you're Somebody's, more you're more targeted. You're more focused at that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, someone sees your name. You're one of twelve beers on the list. They order it. They like it. They don't remember what it was. Right. Know? And then they're, and then they're on to the next thing, which is the, mm-hmm. the point of a multi-tap beer bars. Yep, you know, you exactly. want to have 20 taps. So you have a variety. That's a really good point. And something I never really thought about before. It's that take home experience of being in a can. can. Right. Yeah. You, you, you drink it and inherently you look at it on the shelf and then you're looking at it again as you drink it. Maybe you give one to your friend, maybe you throw it at him. Maybe you throw it at your kid. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That kind yeah. of stuff, you know, memories like that. But it is. It's an opportunity to, you know, uh, build build a relationship with your brand, you know, yeah. with, with the customer. And um, I I think I had underestimated the value of that when we started. And um, if if there's any silver lining that kind of came out of this, it's it's that it's that I think we ended up in a in a stronger position, you know, um, you know, at this point with kind of that even split with drafting cans. Yeah, that sounds like it, man. That's cool. And it's, you know, and, and I know it's a sensitive subject for a lot of people. And, and on the one hand, I don't like bringing it up in, anymore because I'm also just really fucking tired of hearing about it. But on the other hand, I'm really fascinated with how businesses and breweries specifically who, you know, the, for years, for recent amount of years, the, the business model was, you know, over counter draft sales. You get people mm-hmm. in your tap room and that's where the money flows. And that's how you make it in as a craft brewer, and especially on a small scale, not that 20 barrels is small, but you know what I mean? Like for a while, nano breweries, you couldn't make, you couldn't make any money on a one barrel, but maybe you could eke by and whatever. Mm-hmm. But the pandemic killed all that. The lockdown mm-hmm. killed all that. So I'm, I'm just always forever fascinated in how people um, adapt to that. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was a crazy year, you know, trying to, yeah. Even like the, our our very first um, distribution rollout um, was set to for for Tuesday uh, right after the shutdown, the day after the shutdown, oh, and so we had like I don't know it was ten pallets of beer or something that was supposed to get picked up um, by our distributor, wow. and and they called us Monday and canceled, and it was like okay. Uh, <laughs> they just canceled. They just said we didn't, we're not going to take it anymore. It, well, they couldn't. The restaurants were closed. Everything was closed. You know, and so um, we, we certainly ended up dumping a lot of beer. Um, uh, you know, we, we served beer over the bar to go during that shutdown. That was older than we, we'd like to see it. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I, I think that everybody probably would say the same thing. And it was kind of one of those things like, what do you what do you do? You know, um, but, uh, you know, I think we were we were lucky that it that like i said that we kind of had the money to lose at first and um you know we we dumped the beer when when i i would taste it constantly and um you know back to the qc part and right. uh, especially probably more heavily <laughs> I, at that I point taste it every morning at <laughs> yeah. 8 a.m you know um, yeah and we would just pull the plug on beers when when they weren't right and God, dude. we just we just ate it and uh you know it, it's funny this last shutdown was i think 
uh, was scared me more than the first one because we didn't have the money to lose anymore, mm. right? We had kind of like leveled out last summer and things were going okay. We weren't making money. We weren't losing money. And uh, and then this last shutdown happened and it's like, I'm looking at the bank account. It's like, man, if payroll hits and our rent hits and our utilities hit, like I like where, you know, this is done. <laughs> There's not a lot left. No, man. Yeah. You know, and, well, there's a lot of breeds who, who, who I, I heard about at least one local to me a week into it. They're like, we're done. They yeah. saw the writing on the wall. So at least mm-hmm. you were positioned. And, I, and, and it sounds like you just had like residual money or you counted on needing more after the purchase and whatever to like, you know, the buffer, which is very, very smart. Well, that that business school stuff, <laughs> I tell you, which is yeah. which is a lesson for people too. like you think you need money, you double it and you double it again. And maybe you'll get through your first six months of operations that way because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's true, man. Yeah. Um, you know, and we're in, in, in when things opened up in late January, early February, it just went berserk. You know, our, mm. we have a, we have a big patio uh, here at the brewery. We have a stage. Um, you know, we we're able to do live music and they lifted the live music band. And so all of a sudden Saturdays, like I became the door guy, like we, we couldn't let any more people in. Wow. And, and we had a February and a March where I'm like, this is crazy. This is like twice what I thought we'd ever be able to do here. And, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm now I'm buying new forklifts and like, you know, <laughs> you're flush for new brew houses. Like, yeah, dude. So it's been, it's been a wild ride. That is, that is for sure. That's cool, man. That's cool. Um, all right. Well, I opened the two hop series. Yeah. I'm gonna get into that one too. Are you still down? And who is this, uh, handsome young lad on the, <laughs> so that's Bo. Uh, Bo is uh, a, a good friend of mine. Um, he, uh, again, he, he brewed So he brewed at Firestone's, uh, barrel works. He was like their kind of lead, uh, okay. you know, lead brewer at barrel works for about five or six years. Oh, wow. Um, and for me, you know, coming from Firestone, that was, uh, it was important that we spoke the same language. And so, you know, we talk about things the same way we, we CIP tanks the same way. I didn't have to train him on the way I did it. Right. Because like okay. our training was the same. Right, 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 and right, so, right. And he really, you know, he at working with barrels for so long, he really wanted to come and make clean beer. Um, and Bo is just one of my favorite people. And so, you know, the opportunity to put him on a label is, is pretty awesome. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I'm gonna throw a little shout out to you to Monica, who's our sales and operations manager. She kind of does everything around here. Um, you know, she, she does, she's HR, she does payroll, she, uh, does sales. Um, she's our, like I said, our ops manager, but she also designs a lot of the labels that we do. And so, uh, this is one of her handiworks, um, and uh yeah this beer is this beer is rad too it's uh um uh, citra mosaic um really simple malt bill uh two row carafoam chico yeast and we did use a uh a little bit of incognito in this beer what's that uh, it's uh so it's a new hop product from Haas and um it's essentially like liquid lupulin right like mm, okay so they've basically separated out the plant material and it's not like a hop extract. Um, they don't, you know, and I don't know enough about the process really to talk about how separation has occurred, but I can tell you that it, it looks like honey. Like it's just this like, Oh, weird. 
like this viscous like thing. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know I think it was other half had started with the like um, high density hop charging where they were basically taking some of their beers that they make and they were just kind of layering this stuff on top of it. And you certainly get bitterness mm. from it. Um, but, uh, you know, we started playing around with it a little bit ago. So this is the third beer we've used it on. Um, but it does add this kind of, um, you know, something in the mouthfeel. There's a kind of a resiny character that comes mm-hmm. from it. Um, but it, it's, yeah, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool deal. Man, the hop game has changed so much. I mean, I remember when hop extracts hit like the CO2 extraction from, I think, hop union at the time. And when I was working on more beer and that was just, I spent an entire day walking around the entire warehouse going here, dude, just take your finger and just put it on your tongue. Just try this. <laughs> and like, you could see, like, it was like a, a, a living explanation or a living example of the warheads label. <laughs> People's head just fucking explode. Um, yeah. And then now you get resin. Yeah. We, we, we've used that CO2 extract in some beers at Firestone. And if you got it on your hands and then went to eat lunch, I mean, you'd taste it. It was, that stuff was intense. Um, I always thought it was, it would be really cool and a money saver to go to just some bar and you get a PBR and you just get like two drops of that and you have a really nice pale ale or whatever. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it works like that. Chip. I, no, I don't think it does, <laughs> no, no. but uh, you could do but, it. Yeah. You could try it. So, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this though. Um, it, this is, I think more on the, more on the dry side. Um, it's a little leaner, uh, than the liquid gravity, but it does have that kind of resiny, uh, hop character that drives through uh, want, as well. You want my thoughts on this? Yeah, I do. Uh, well here, let me pour it again. Now coming from a self-appointed IPA denier, um, <laughs> I think it smells good. I think I think definitely there's that that resin almost diesel thing going on the back end of the aroma, mm-hmm. which is West Coast appropriate for sure. Um, the malt, little bit of honey, but not in like a you know oxidized way. I definitely get like a a, a rounder sort of mouth feel. I, I, I want to say creamy, but it's not really creamy. It's smooth, I guess. Um, the bitterness is there. It's firm. It's a little sweet, um, sweet bitterness, which is a new thing. Apparently, I invented this today because I don't think I've ever said this as many times, but sweet bitterness is a thing now. Um, so, and I'm, I, I, I'm with you. I, yeah. and I, and I think that that's one of the things, when, you know, when I talk about the brew house here, that um, that's what it contributes. And so, mm. you know, when I tell people where these beers finish, like they finish at, we've been, we keep drying them out more and drying them out more. And uh, like I said, I don't think it's a a negative contribution to the beer, but you could see where if I pulled the dextrose out of this beer and, you know, built the recipe as a normal West Coast IPA recipe, that character could be, you know, too much in it. Yeah. I really do want you to try a brute IPA on this. Keep in mind, I think that's, I think the style was stupid and I'm glad it's gone. (laughs) And I never had a good one. I, I had ones where I could understand but I never had a good one. Um, but I think like it sounds like your system can contribute these little sort of like these little notes that can maybe elevate it a little bit into something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for know. what it's worth, uh, that that beer is the older of the bunch. That one's coming up on three weeks old now. Not oh, how dare you send me <laughs> over three weeks? Come I mean, on. 
if you, I mean, you know, if you, if you work in a brewery, you're, I mean, if, at least for me, I'm constantly kind of jumping to, uh, you know, the next beer. And so as soon as a beer gets past, uh, maybe that kind of two week, three week mark on the yeah. West coast IPA, I'm, you know, I'm jumping on to the next one. Uh, I got a question in the chat. Uh, what are you doing to get your West coast IPAs to finish that dry at less than two Play-Doh with USO five? Um, get enough amount of uh, enough oxygen in there. Uh, we mash everything at one, all these West coast beers. We mash at 148. <clears throat> and so that lower mash temp, uh, and then, you know, we'll just add dextrose. And so this beer that we're drinking, I think, let me check here. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. <laughs> I think it's about, uh, 5% of, uh, dextrose. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. In, in, in this, you know, in, in our brewery, the, that yeast just goes crazy. And, you know, we're doing about four liters per oxygen or four liters per minute of oxygen, uh, mashing at 148 and 75 pounds of dextrose. Um, and that yeast just chews, man. It chews through it. All right. Um, speaking of Bo, Corey's in the chat. And he says, uh, Bo is more interesting. Uh, we should interview him. <laughs> that's true Bo also uh <laughs> probably has no interest in coming up and doing this so. yeah probably not man i imagine uh barrel rats are just sort of like i don't know man i just want to do this thing he also says why do people still make west coast ipa zero people drink them which i agree i i think that about the entire um yeah it's dead IPA right category. it's dead no, nobody wants them anymore they're no, dead no one cares man uh did i answer your question am i off the am i off the uh spotlight I'm going to move on to the Miami heist, which looks an awful lot like Grand Theft Auto five, the ballad of or four, the ballad of gay Tony, <laughs> which was a great uh, download pack, by the way, if you guys or maybe it was Grand Theft Auto three. Yeah, yeah, it was three. The ballad was of gay Tony ruled. Yeah, of course there was a three. Well, I feel like they skipped three and went to four. No, three was cool. I think it was like um, the Russian dude or whatever, but. Uh, after that, they had a DLC pack, which was the Ballad of Gay Tony, I think. Um, I know that was the name, but I forget the number. Anyway, super, super cool. If you love the Grand Theft Auto series, the Ballad of Gay Tony ruled. It was <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Hazy. This is the last one I have from you, um, and we'll sort of wrap it up here. But uh, Hazy Beers. <clears throat> How are your hazies uh, selling? Is the Central Coast a hazy hub or... Uh, you I, would, know. I would not call it a hazy hub. Um, right, good. I can still go there then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those beers where it, it's still, we, if, if you're a hazy guy though, you don't drink anything else. And so we, we do have a ton of customers that come in that drink our hazy IPAs. And I, 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 I constantly try to go, Hey, we'll try this. And, and they don't want anything else a lot of the time. Um, and you know, I, I do also see people burn out on them after drinking them for a year or two or whatever, you know, they'll, they'll kind of, you know, they'll come back and they'll try to start finding other beers. But, um, and, and, you know, I, <laughs> I, uh, I'll try, I, but... I, I don't drink a ton of them anymore. Um, you know, when yeah. we, when I first started making them, I was, I was pretty early on the train making them, um, when, you know, a lot of brewers were, uh, kind of standing on their, you know, on the mountain yelling about how terrible they were. Um, I was really interested in, you know, this new canvas for hops and mm -hmm. it was coming on a, you know, a, a 
this this sort of you know really soft base with you know wheat and protein or wheat and oats with these higher protein malts and this lower bitterness and this calcium chloride to make them kind of softer and sweeter and this early dry hop with the biotransformation and this expressive yeast and um you know it was really interesting to me and and I, I drank them for a long time and we, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to, trying to really narrow down what I liked about them and what I wanted ours to be. Um, but after a long, you know, a while drinking them, I just kind of, they're, they're just full and they're kind of, you know, they're, if I'm going to sit down and have two or three or four beers, um, you know, it's just, it weighs a little heavier on you. And, you know, as I get older, <laughs> I drink probably more Pilsners than anything. Yes. So, Maybe know. that's my problem. Maybe that's why I'm such a, penis face about most beers i've always been an old man yeah i think that's probably what it is but i still you know i I take a lot of pride in the ones we make and i want to make sure that they're that they're you know that the people who drink a lot of these still enjoy them um you know the one that we're drinking right now uh is a it's a big citra bomb we do layer a little bit of centennial in on the hot side um but it's 100 percent citra and the dry hop uh we use london three um, it's a blend of two row and uh, torrefied wheat and oats, um, calcium chloride, uh, about a thousand grams in the mash and mash it a little higher on this one. We go 153. Um, you know, it's a, you know, if they stop, they, this one finishes at about four Play-Doh and as opposed to the, you know, all the West coast beers that finish at one, <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's silky and it's sweet and it's got a lot of like tropical yeah. and citrus stuff going on. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really good beer, but you don't like drinking them. I just, I wouldn't even say that I don't like it. I just, I, 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 you know, I can't have too much of them. And when I'm, when I'm drinking, that's not what you told me before the show, you said, I don't like (laughs) drinking these. And I told you specifically, Uh, I'm going to talk about it because I am happy that there's Uh. other people out there. And I know that they, they exist. We've talked about them before, but I'm always fascinated with brewers who make the thing that they don't like to drink. And I understand that that's the, the sort of industry we're in now, but think back 15 years, that was not the case. Everybody was like dying on the hill of, I brew the beers I want to drink and that is fucking it. And if you want something that I don't make, get the fuck out. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I still, part of me like remembers liking them. So, I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That's I mean, fair. I do, I, you know, and I do, I even tasting it now. I'm like, God, this is nice. But, but is, I, is it, is it from a, is it, did you like it from a flavor standpoint or did you like it from a, how do I do this standpoint? Like a MacGyver standpoint. I think it, I think initially, well, okay. So when, when we, when I first was exposed to them, I had a lot of really bad ones yeah. and everybody's like, you know, it's like, Oh, it's same dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they were just, they were all garbage yeah. everything I had. And I'm like, I don't get it. You know? And at some point I had a, a, a beer by Treehouse. It was the, called Treehouse. It was, it was called Bright and it was a hundred percent mosaic. Mm. And at least the one I had wasn't uh, crazy turbid. It had, you know, you could sort of see through it. Uh, you could okay. see light through it anyways. And okay. it was just, it was beautiful. It was like, it was soft. It was tropical. It was citrusy. It had like, you know, all of the things that you read about them that I hadn't experienced yet because, you know, I had had, I had had a lot of bad ones. Yeah. So at, in that moment, that was where I kind of said, okay, I get it. Right. And from there, the MacGyver thing kicked in where I wanted to figure it out. Yeah. 
and I spent a lot of time trying to figure it out and drank a lot of them along the way. And, um, you know, uh, really did, really did like them. Um, and so when, <laughs> when I, t- when I told you I didn't like them before. <laughs> that was in confidence. That was in confidence. And, and you rolled over and made me that. breakfast. And I said, yeah. don't talk about that. Yeah. Now you're, now you're dishing out our pillow talk. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't drink a lot of them anymore, but I certainly remember, um, you know, the things yeah. that I loved about them when I found them. And I, and I think that they are a great introduction to um, hops and into IPAs to people who don't like bitterness, right? Because that's that's true. First of all, if Pillow Talk isn't a fucking hazy IPA name already, it needs to be. Um, but you know what? I think you're right, and and I'm I'm sort of like changing my stance on them. Not that I like them uh, by any means or think that they're good for the industry. Well, that's not true. They are clearly because they bring money to to craft beer, and that's what's good. But it is a good hop introduction. Um, it, it it's hard because if you if you come into drinking beer from from hazy IPAs where do you go from that you know what i mean if you, uh, if if you come in and you approach this beer as i've never had a craft beer for my entire life here's this thing and it's pillowy and it's soft and it's round and it's you know uh, expressive for the hops for like the citrus quality of the hops or whatever everything else i would imagine is sort of a step down because everything sort of has this this kind of grinding edge of like even lagers even like a Munich Dunkel, even a, a, you know, whatever. It's sort of like the carbonation is higher. The th- it's just a little bit different. Well, first you go into a smoothie, smoothie salad. Right? <laughs> okay, that's, that's right. Move. Uh, but, I, I mean, re- really, I think the next the next move is to find, you know, a West Coast IPA producer that, that really, 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 like, understands, you know, uh, that flavor forward, aroma forward, low bitterness approach to West Coast IPA. Okay. And, and you can certainly find them. Uh, You know, a a lot of the beers that we make, you know, will be in that, in that range as well. Uh, But I think if you take someone who has been introduced to, you know, uh, IPAs through the hazy IPA channel and they, they love them, they love that they're not bitter, they're aromatic, they have all this tropical fruit and all the stone fruit and citrus that's going on. Uh, you can find West Coast IPAs that are that are really low in bitterness, that have a lot of those same hop characteristics, um, you know, uh, as as the hazies do. And to me, that's they they don't even know that that exists because they had you know IPA ten years ago, and it was clear and it was you know right. it, it was mashed with hop water and you know yep. it, it was just loaded Bitter up on shit. It was, yeah, in dude. the bit, bitterness arms race <laughs> yeah, and. Man. And, you know, that's why they think they don't like West Coast clear IPAs. But, um, you know, if you go have some of these these guys that are that are making, you know, some of the best modern West Coast IPAs around. I mean, I think they're they're certainly every bit as drinkable and approachable as 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 hazy IPAs. Um, And I think people who um, just aren't used to getting that in the clear beer would be surprised. You know? Yeah. Well, I I think it's very interesting. And and I I I I. I believe, and maybe you've you've twisted my arm enough to to think that I perceive that common thread through your beers, which is that internal calandria, because it does taste a little different. And I know I anybody who's keeping track, which is literally nobody, uh, of of what I say about about hazy beers, um, everyone I always go, oh man, I think I can taste the difference, and I and and, and I can, and and that's you know I don't know if it's the psychology of tasting things to describe them or not, but 
for me, I feel like there is a almost a caramelized, darker flavor in the the beer that would set this apart. Mm-hmm. And that's why I guess I'm even more uh, more curious than ever about trying you trying to recreate other styles that don't really exist or whatever. To because that is your spin. I kind of don't want you to. Um, I don't want you to to fix your calandria. <laughs> because and well i guess that's a really good question because and then we'll sort of wrap things up um you're looking to get a new system how are you going to approach the the different flavors i mean you're going to adjust the 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 recipes to match what your new calandria does or are you going to get a calandria or how do you how do you go because we've talked so much about the flavor impact of this quote-unquote broken machine for lack of a you know more interesting term <laughs> What do you what do you do when you have one that works? Uh, yeah, I mean, okay. So to me, it's I just want to make the best beer that I can, and if 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 you know whatever I'm getting off the Calandria, and, and I guess this is where you know we get back to the point where you said, you know, brewers used to just make what they wanted, and they wouldn't make styles that they didn't want, and and now you know it's kind of changed. Uh, but I still, even if I make a style I don't want, I want it to be the best version of that, that I, that, that, that I can make. And yeah. And so, so regardless of what style it is, I want, I want whatever, whatever style of beer that is, I want it to taste as good to me as it possibly can. And so I'm going to navigate it using the equipment that I have to get it to taste as close as I can get it to the way I want it. And so, you know, that's is I'm not necessarily going to take the flavor that we're getting off of our current brew house and try to recreate it with our new one. I'm just going to taste mm-hmm. the beer and, you know, uh, put the recipe together the best that I can uh, based on what I think I'll get, taste it, and then try to make it as good as I can possibly make it. And then just continue yeah. trying to do that. Um, but uh, but but I like I agree with you. I think that it adds something really interesting. And, you know, if it. uh uh, if I ever it miss it, I'll have, I'll, maybe that's, I'll, I'm probably going to throw this thing in the dumpster outside. And so maybe I'll cut the calandria out and I'll save it and I can add it to the new house if I really want to. I mean, it, it does, it does add an interesting characteristic for sure. And, and maybe it's again, because you're pointing it out or whatever, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. Could you recreate it with a malt? I don't know. Um, but yeah, this, this, look, this beer isn't bad. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. 8%. <laughs> I think 8% is too high for me personally. Um, I think this should be seven, seven and a half, but <laughs> I'll uh, send that to our marketing department. Yeah, please do. Um, but it's, I, I, I can definitely see. And like I said, I, I think that little sort of you, you think in color, I, I, I can think in colors too, a little bit sometimes too. Like when I taste, um, the way I describe is bizarre, but like, it's like a, a, the canvas of the color of the beer. And then there's like a dark spot. And like, mm-hmm. that's the darker flavors that I get that I'm attributing to the Calandria, which to me also sets it apart from some of the other beers that I've had, because everyone's trying to go for these really light puffy cloud, you know, nug nug sort of things. Right. But this approaches that, but there's like a darker horizon somewhere. And and that's that thing that you maybe you can't recreate. I don't know. I'm interested to I'm interested to try this beer on a new system and see how you go for it and and, and learn how you process it. Because to me that's very interesting. People upgrade their shit all the time. Mm-hmm. But but to me this is it's a, a wrinkle that you need to solve that's providing you a benefit also. So how do you how do you 
you know, how do you approach yeah. that? It's interesting you stuff. It you, you cut it out of this one and you put it in the storage container. And <laughs> if, push, if push comes to, to show, it's right. weld it in the next one too. You know? Yeah, it's the, the end of the Raiders of the Lost Ark, but how it should have <laughs> yeah. ended is the, the, the next one should have showed Indy pulling the crate back out. That's mm-hmm. you. Exactly, yeah. Anyway, Brendan, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you uh, coming in. I appreciate you sitting, not coming in, but I appreciate you sending beers. And uh, when everything opens up or whatever, uh, we'd love to obviously get you back in and, uh, you know, have a show in the studio and put your beers on tap. And, and you know, assuming this is ever going to happen. I mean, I, you know, who knows? We're sort of like perpetually locked down. But everyone, get vaccinated. Don't give me the shit that it's untested. Just shut up about it. Just do it so I can hug you. That's all I want to do. I want to hug every person listening right now, um, and that's uh, and that's just who that's just who I am. Uh, go to liquidgravitybrewing.com. Learn all about uh, what's going on over there. If you're in the Central Coast, go visit them. San Luis Obispo, it's a cool place to be, and um, Liquid Gravity is the place that you're going to uh, be thirsty for. So check it out. Brendan, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Got it, bud. Thank you. All right. Um, Everybody, if you want to uh, have more great, of course, great beer radio like this, um, you know, there's Dr. Homebrew. If you're a home brewer and you want to submit your beers into the show, uh, email brian at thebrewingnetwork.com, and he will get you all set up, and we'll need you on the show. And uh, we can taste your beers and give you quality feedback, uh, way better than the feedback I uh, ever gave Brendan. Because uh, you know I'm not a, 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 a grandmaster BJCP judge like the two Brian's are. So uh, anyway, all sorts of stuff going on over on the Brewing Network. So check them out. Check us out. Check everybody out. Check out. Check out your neighbors. Stare at your neighbors. Get by binoculars. Stare at your neighbors 24/7. Uh, take some Adderall. Um, definitely do some cocaine and watch your neighbors over the course of three days. See how they change. Are they pod people? We don't know. Anyway, thanks a lot, everybody, for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah.